You're listening to Culture Matters, a podcast of the Village Church. This is Adam Griffin. I'm here with my co-host, Adam Hawkins. Adam, if you were to get on online dating today, where would you where would you be in your profile picture? I don't know. I'd probably do the the Christian one. What's that one called? The Christian Christian, sing, Christian Mingle. Christian Mingle. And what would yeah. you be doing in your profile pic? I'd have a weird Christmas sweater on. Okay. Um, and I'd have my hair like palmated straight back. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. And would I'd, there be any pets or people in it with you? It would just say no smokers. No smokers. <laughs> Maybe holding a grape. Yeah, holding a grape or a. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, on this episode, we're gonna get uh, we're gonna take a deep dive into the topic of online dating. So we'll have some great special guests. We have some incredible content coming up from Ben Stewart. You're gonna want to listen to it. You're gonna have to listen close. Some of the audio is not great from that interview, but the content is so good. One of the hardest working people on this podcast is Chris Starrett, and he took an opportunity recently to talk to his friend Hai Funk, and we'll have a roundtable with some singles from the Village Church to talk about how Christians might navigate the world of online dating. This is gonna be a good one. My name is Jennifer. I met my husband on OkCupid, and I liked that site because you like got to answer a lot of questions, and so it was easy to find out. Like your questions were on your profile, so you could find out a lot about someone pretty quickly. And um, Travis messaged me, and uh, we just started talking. And our first date, we met up like about a week after we had started talking. And we just went out to dinner, and then he actually was already going to the village. So um, the village was having like a night of worship with all the canvases, and I went with him to that. Then we just kept dating after that, and we got married about a year, a little over a year later. I think I think it can be a good thing, but you shouldn't do it in isolation. I think your community should be involved with who you're having online relationships with. Um, I also think you should like avoid from like being really consumeristic or falling into the trap of being consumeristic um, as you're like swiping through profiles of, of people. Um, you can end up like shopping for a relationship the same way you would like shopping for a toaster. Uh, so you have to like remember these are real people that you're looking through and not just objects, I guess. I guess just the words online dating, it's not like you're dating online, you're just meeting each other online. So, as long as you're not dating online, that's okay, but if you're meeting people online and dating, sure. My name's Tyler, and I met my wife online um, about almost 10 years ago. And the reason I did it, honestly, was because it was just striking out a lot, and it was like a last-ditch effort. One of my friends told me to try it out. So I tried it out and it was kind of the same for my wife, so it was really not something I was that experienced in. But I, what I think is good about it is that instead of like meeting someone in a bar or at church or something like that, some people may not be looking, but online it weeds through all that and you know that they're looking and so are you. So it makes it easier to get past that awkward first stage and just kind of get to know somebody in hopes of something.
My name is Haifeng, and I am a software engineer, and I worked at Match.com for about three years um, as a software engineer, specifically on their, uh, working on their iPhone app. Okay, and for those who maybe don't know, what does Match.com do? Match.com is an online dating company. So they, um, they, have, a, they have a web app um, and also mobile apps that sort of support their platform, so... Okay, so have uh, they've they're they've been doing it for a while though, right? They're one of the yeah, leaders think, in that. Yeah, uh, over during my time with them, they celebrated twenty years. Okay, so they've they've been around forever. Basically, since the internet was a thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Basically. Okay, so what was it like working for Match? Match is a great company to work for. Um, <clears throat> it was uh, it's it's a really interesting problem uh, to me. Um, you know, the, the company's mission, um, is to help people form, uh, meaningful connections. Um, that's the official, you know, company line. Um, and, and so it, it's, I, from a technology standpoint, I think it's a, it's a really interesting problem to try and solve with technology. What problems specifically were, were you maybe as a company and then you as a developer trying to solve? Well, I, th- I think um, as a developer, you know, obviously uh, our main, one of our main priorities is to make sure uh, and fix things that are broken. Um, but really some of the, some of the challenges we were uh, facing from a technology standpoint were s- stuff like um, bots creating fake profiles, sure. you know, and sort of polluting the 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 dating pool with with fake profiles for the sake of you know fishing for information or money or you know really taking advantage of people right. um, you know that was that's that's kind of a tough issue to solve because you're um, you know there are always going to be people trying to take advantage it's of like putting out fires like constantly yeah yeah sure. constantly yeah, yeah. you know da- dating uh, is sort of split up into two two categories these days there's uh, there's casual sort of, uh, relationships. And then there are, uh, what they, what the industry calls high intent, uh, sure. relationships. And so match, uh, tries to stay on the high intent. Uh, they try to stay in the high intent space. So really helping people not only connect with other people, but actually form deep lasting relationships with them. Sure. Uh, so their main, the main problem that they're trying to solve is is how do we connect people online with people that they would want to have a long lasting relationship with. That that's correct. Yeah. yeah, but meaningful is relative, right? Sure. Like for for some, meaningful is just a casual hookup. Right. Um, for some, they they want to they want something more, you know, long term, like yeah. marriage or you know significant relationship of some kind so yeah so uh as a uh someone who has kind of worked in that industry were you seeing a ton of like analytics as far as like information on people and yeah like- I, I was never on the side of the fence where we were actually analyzing the data right um i was more on the collection side of it so most apps will uh will track uh user behavior Sure. Uh, on some level, and sometimes it's very, very granular, you know, um, and a lot of times it's very sort of generic and very high level. Um, but a lot of 
decisions that get made in terms of what features get implemented, what what um, are typically driven by those analytics. So they 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 track user behavior in the hopes of of drawing some sort of conclusion and being able to create some kind of product out of that. So. Right. Okay. So um, was there anything like uh, personally? Was there anything that you um, learned about people in general? working in that environment as far as like oh that's really surprising that this is like a trend that uh, with people online does that make sense yeah one of the things that's interesting to me and it's it's kind of a uh i I don't i think dating is is hard in general and um what what i find really interesting is uh how how people have to make a decision based off of uh, what seems to be less and less and less information. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so um, there are, you know, certain platforms that collect a ton of information about you up front. Mm-hmm. You know, they ask you a ton of questions and they try to get as much information and they'll present users with as much information as, as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but now we're seeing this trend where, you know, as we're, we're tracking user behavior and seeing that, you know, users are, their attention spans are a lot shorter mm-hmm. now. And so um, because of that, you know, uh, platforms are um, giving users less and less information about someone in favor of more uh, media content like images or videos or sure. um, that. And so and I think it's hard to make a decision um, about somebody uh, based off of just – pure visual content sure it's really interesting to hear it's like uh these companies are gathering more and more like data is more and more important to them like all these little data points oh for sure more they're trying to get more and more of that um and it seems like uh, on the opposite almost as a polar opposite people care less and less about the amount of information that they get so it's 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 interesting, right? But if you were to ask them, they would probably say, "Oh, I would love, I would love to establish a meaningful relationship with somebody." Technology is sort of you know the age of technology has sort of expanded our our reach and access to to people, uh, and and it's but it hasn't quite. I don't think it's it's quite solved the problem of right. of online. I mean, it's really just made dating more complicated. I think. Um, do you think it's that people um, would rather be gathering that information in person or do you think that it's like it doesn't matter like even in a one-on-one interaction with somebody in person we're less and less concerned about that person as a person does that make sense yeah or do you think that that's something that has to do with that just degree of separation that's presented through technology I think there's a little bit of a safety net Mm -hmm. um with with social media or any type of online platform, you know, there's always that wall of anonymity that people can sort of um, hide behind and and find safety in. There's an entire generation of of people who are just growing up in the age of of social media and technology, yeah. and they just they're just used to doing things a specific way, and you know, right. and it's just it's very different from from generations before. And um, that was another thing that I that I realized was you know like just all of those norms when it comes to seeking relationships and establishing relationships, you know, those, those are, those are changing because, yeah. uh, current generation, um, they these social norms are, are shifting, 
you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're changing the rules of social interaction, you know, and, um, and in a way these, these technology platforms are, are trying to gather as much data as possible so they can make these decisions as quickly as possible and, and, um, engage these users, um, to, to give them something, uh, useful and, and meaningful for them to consume. But from, a um app perspective maybe are there like things that you would recommend to people like hey do this uh to safeguard yourself or do you feel like a lot of the companies that put that stuff out there do a lot of that for you as far as like protecting you know protecting yourself from bots or people out there who yeah or are there things that like good best practice for people yeah i would say for the most part companies are very aware yeah. Um, of sort of uh, just malicious behavior that, that sort of takes place on their platforms. And I think they go, they definitely go the extra mile to try and um, make their platform secure. Um, I mean, obviously it's to their benefit, right? right. Um, you don't want to establish a reputation as a company of being incredibly, you know, uh, insecure. Sure. Yeah. Um, but, but I also will say that, you know, like it, it's not like they, they're not responsible for your emotional well-being. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. And um, only you are responsible for that. <laughs> we didn't meet online, but I did. I did. Um, I did uh, message her on AIM and. We worked together for this ministry, and I knew the answer to the question, but then I, I, I messaged her. I was like, hey, do you have so-and-so's phone number for the meeting? And then she's like, here's the phone number. And I was like, hey, so, like, what's up? <laughs> and then that just started off the journey. Now we're married, four kids, so. I've never had a bad experience, but never, like, super great. Well, I feel like it's sometimes easy to portray yourself differently online than in person. I dated a couple of other people from different sites and maybe they would like say that they were interested in certain things or that like um, being a Christian was like important to them and then that wasn't necessarily true. They were just trying to, you know, meet someone. And so it's just not always easy to tell people's intentions, I guess, just off of a profile. Um, I did not like, one, that you had to pay for it. <laughs> like, especially the amount uh, this website I used um, was, it's like 40-something bucks, so we did the free version, but both my wife and I did, my then person I was just meeting. Um, and it only allowed you to allowed you to like send pre-recorded messages, and then if you really wanted to talk to somebody or communicate, you had to purchase it. And my wife ended up purchasing it, and contacting me, and then we were off of that and just talked on Facebook. So <laughs> it's the cost, really. My name is Nathan Campbell. I'm from Dayton, Ohio. I serve here now as an associate minister in the Village Church Institute. My name is Antonia Bastian, and I serve as a minister at Mosaic Church in Richardson, uh, which is a church plant. Uh, My name is Ryan Williamson. I'm on staff here at the Village as well on the communications team. 
Nathan, Antonia, Ryan, you guys are here today to help me navigate the world of online dating. I have not online dated, I'll be honest, uh, nor have I gone on a date in a long time outside of dates with my wife. But I know this is a, a big deal and we'll, we'll make some distinctions for people. But I'll tell you, there's probably no other topic that I get more questions about as a pastor when it pertains to this podcast. Like, when will you talk about this topic? So there are a lot of questions about how do Christians navigate this world? Should they be online dating? Shouldn't they? And we'll try to cover a whole gamut in, in the next couple minutes. We're going to cover everything. But first of all, can you give me just kind of the lay of the land? What is what is online dating? When I say that, what's the difference between an app or a website dating? What does it mean for those people who aren't aware or aren't entered in? Why is this a big deal? And what is online dating? Can somebody give me a, a, a quick synopsis? Um, so, yeah, there, I think the two main spaces would be online apps, like you were saying. I think online options like eHarmony, Match, Christian Mingle, if you want to go there, um, I think have a bit of a stigma around being people who are older, ready to get married, maybe now, um, and really serious, whereas the apps like Hinge or Tinder, Bumble, any of those, I think, get used a lot more casually, they get used really frequently, even just to pass the time, and sometimes um, result in a relationship or a marriage, whatever it is, but I think those are kind of the two differences. Okay, so some would be, you're saying some are typically for somebody who's going, I, I want to find a mate to get married. And then there's other ones that are like, I just want to go on a date or just meet some people. And that's the distinction. You think that's why maybe one would trend older and one would trend younger? Yeah, potentially. And, you know, that's a, a generalization for sure. Okay. But I see head nods coming from Antonia and Nathan. You guys see the same things? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think uh, the distinction between people who are more committed towards a certain result, you could say, on those websites versus a more casual approach. Yeah. Um, and certainly people who are on those apps, maybe not Tinder, but a few other ones, depending on the where you are, um, people are still serious, but it's a little bit less like committed to you. Yeah, less pressure. Gotcha. But I'm, what I'm hearing, and this is as an outside observer, is like there are apps that are more like a hookup culture app. And I'm using my air quotes right now. Hookup culture being like, I just want to meet somebody. I just want to serve myself in what somebody else has to offer me. And then there's other apps that might help you find like, I'm, I'm lonely. I just want to find companionship and other ways that people might use them in order to try to uh, date someone and they don't feel like they have good prospects in the people they know or where they've been going. So they might go to eHarmony and try to get matched up with somebody who for, for life maybe. And I do have... We have friends. I uh, expect you guys have friends who have met boyfriends, girlfriends, sure. or even husbands and wives through these apps. Is that true? Nathan, you have friends that have had good relationships and good outcomes from online dating? It's a mixed bag. I think some have gone through it, and it has worked out for them. I know others who have gone, and it didn't work. And to go back, too, to the lay of the land, yeah. I think there's, if you will, a tenderization, maybe, of other apps like Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, all these other apps that we normally think of as social media, at this point, they've become dating apps themselves. Oh. So, so it's not like the original intent of this app, but then it becomes that because sure. it's someone who's finding companionship through it? Yeah, I think the way that Tinder and eHarmony match all those other type of dating apps have so infiltrated the culture, they've kind of also infiltrated these other spaces that we thought were sacred before. We thought they were just for... Um, you know, catching up with old friends from high school, whatever it is. But I think a lot of times um, those are now where we project ourselves, yeah. where we kind of display who we might want ourselves to be on those dating sites. But now they're on our normal social media feeds and everything now is a dating app. Oh, that's interesting. Why? 
tell me why. Why would somebody turn to online dating for people like myself who maybe dated face to face? And I've certainly met people via the internet, but I've never gone in there to say, I'm going to see if I can meet a girl and go on a date. Why might sure. somebody turn to an online dating app or to a website? I think it's primarily related to um, uh, like access to people, if you will. So I don't know that someone's like, Many people, at least in our sphere, are thinking, I really want to go date someone online as if the relationship should be primarily online as much as, hey, maybe wherever I am in the season of ministry, wherever I am geographically, schooling-wise, that there's not necessarily, uh, you know, a group of people, like a pool of people to build relationships with to even potentially date. So I think it's just a widening of that pool for a lot of people. Okay, so as we're kind of just looking from the high view of online dating, Ryan, you mentioned some of the apps that are out there. You mentioned some that I'd heard of, Tinder, which is like the swipe left. If you don't like the person, you see their picture, swipe right if you do like them. Am I saying that right? So I've heard. It's a swiper? Is that what you said? That's so I've heard. Yeah, so I've say, heard. I'm, okay. I don't know. I'm, I'm really trying to, <laughs> trying to be cool here, guys, <laughs> trying, to, <laughs> trying to know what I'm doing. I've heard of Bumble before. Bumble <laughs> is, uh, what's the difference between Tinder and Bumble? Anybody know? I don't know. It's basically kind of the same idea? Yeah, Bumble seems a little cleaner, maybe. They also have, I think, like Bumble BFF, I think, so it's even to meet friends. And then, mm -hmm. oh. And then I think Coffee Meat Bagel is another uh, app that has a more positive reputation. And what's Coffee Meat Bagel? What's that about? Uh, It's kind of the same. It's the same. They all. It's like casual dating app. Yeah. Okay. So you can't just sit there swiping. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. And then you mentioned one called Hinge. I've never heard. What is that? Hinge started a couple of years ago. It was like a mutual friend. You get connected with people you have at least one common Facebook friend with. Oh. And so you kind of knew like, oh, I know somebody that knows this person. Um, I think that aspect of it's kind of gone away. In a lot of ways, it's the same as all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. And info is, is good or bad, depending on probably what you're looking for. If people are trying to stay anonymous, they're probably sticking with ones that are just like uh, pictures accordingly. Mm-hmm. It's a, one of uh, the jokes that my wife and I talk about often, because she will help friends as they navigate their dating apps who are single and help them choose whether or not they will swipe which direction on a person or whatever you want to say. But she says that tons of the profile pictures that people select and where they are in their mm-hmm. pictures is comical to her. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but she says, uh, for the most part, men teen- seem to think that women want a picture of them uh, holding their muscles up, uh, they're holding their own phone, they're in the mirror, they might even be in a men's room. Mm-hmm. And they think this is what women want. And then you see a, a lot of women who kind of do a pucker face as if like men are going like, if I could find a woman with kind of a, a, a good duck pucker face, then this would this would really work out. But you, I, I, to me, I... I want to keep this conversation kind of light and understanding at the same time. I know for some people, these dating apps are really, they're like a lifeline in a city where they've had trouble meeting each other. Antonia, you know, I've talked about before how uh, maybe in a more urban environment, in a bigger city, dating apps serve a different purpose than in a, a rural environment or in a smaller town environment. But it, it is really hard for people to meet in a big city. So I can understand why something like Bumble BFF might make sense even to say, how can I create and foster community? So bringing that now kind of to what our conversation is today is what does that have to do with Christians? What is it when whether or not Christians should engage in online dating? And if they do, what cautions would we give them? And what permissions might we say, just, just run after this? First, do you guys think most single Christians are online dating? Would you say this is the majority of people or do you think it's a smaller group? I think it depends on the age split. So 
Um, when I think of single Christians that I know that are 26, 27 and up, like I think something happens at 25. Um, <laughs> and all of a sudden, How old are you, Anthony? I just turned 25. Okay. Well, actually, that's not true. I'm like almost 26. Blech. Anyways, okay. Um, but there is something where you graduate college, typically we'll say, and this is obviously very specific to a group of people a certain demographic, if you will, um, 22, 23, 24, and then 25 to 30 is kind of this <laughs> range where things shift. And I think things really shift around 30. Um, so I'd say for friends, Christian friends that are in that late 20s, early 30s, I would say many, if not most that I know of. Um, and then I'd say younger than that, it just depends on um yeah, their background, personality, where they are, like geographically or um, even career-wise. So where they are geographically, you mean like in, in some parts of the world or in some parts of the city? Uh, like some parts of the country. Like I would say uh, friends that are in New York or L.A., uh, apps are much more part of life. Like you mentioned the urban setting, there's more people. And so how do you even begin to form connections mm. when you uh, leave, whether it's high school where or college, where there's very obvious social connections um, and where the church maybe doesn't have as much of a hold socially. And then, yeah, people turn, whether it's Facebook groups or it's meetups or it's whatever that looks like, it's just that's more natural. Okay. Nathan, Ryan, have you guys seen similar things? Like you think a lot of people, especially on the younger end, I don't, I don't, I don't see a lot of people in my circles, but in some of the, some of the interactions I have being rootless, I'm from Dayton, Ohio, I'm here in Texas, been to Kentucky, Virginia, all over the place. I don't have these roots in a community. And I think that's probably why you see this age gap is people who are younger, maybe they're going to college. They still have some high school friends around. They have a, a place where they can belong, but because we're so transient and it, it, it opens up all the options. Okay. And instead of just being localized to say, Hey, these are the. 50 people that I know at my church, at my school, um, in my neighborhood. Now we say, maybe I'll be interested in someone who's three hours, four hours away. And so it opens up in a way that I think can kind of be crippling in some way. But it's just, it's, I think it's an attempt to try to find community and belonging. Okay. As I've talked to particularly Christians about online dating, I've gotten the sense that there's a little bit of a stigma and sometimes a shame where you, you might not even be aware of all your friends who are online dating sure. because maybe they don't want to they don't want to tell you about it. Like they're interested in meeting maybe a stranger, but not letting their friends know they're on there. Or they would be uh, even embarrassed to find out that somebody they knew saw them on Tinder or saw them on uh, Bumble or something else like that. Why do you think that is? Why Why is there a stigma around online dating? In my experience, there's a lot of this ideal way that you meet someone, and there's a right way to meet someone. Mm. So it's been normalized for you more. Yeah, it's been normalized. It's been conversation for a while. And I think I've been fortunate to be in a community that a lot of us are doing doing it, you know, the way I think we would hope that Christians are going about dating apps. So it just hasn't felt weird or embarrassing or anything to me. But then I have conversations with other people who, who don't do it or feel nervous about it, whatever. And I think largely the result of that conversation has been that I have to tell people Mm. Mm-hmm. That we met. Um, yeah.
Yeah, I've met couples that have straight up lied about how they met. They leave that out of their story, I should say. They'll say, we met at this coffee shop, when the truth is they saw each other online, got connected through an app, and then decided to meet at the coffee shop. But they only listed that as the beginning because there's kind of a, a, a strange shame around it. Maybe the more normal and common, maybe is a better word, the normal, maybe the more common it is, the more people will feel like the stigma dissipates. But I, I, I like what you said about maybe that's more having to do with the narrative. But you said something else too, Ryan. You said that you feel like a lot of your friends that are engaged in it, they're surrounded with community and doing it the way it should be done. Can you guys unpack that for me? How how should Christians uh, online date and what does that have to do with community? One of the first things I think of is in Second John, where at the very end of this letter that he's writing to the elect lady, he says that, um, you know, I have so much more to say to you, but I would rather say it to you to your face. And I want to use ink and pen. That's his modern technology. Uh, and he, he seems to prioritize this personal, tactile, um, embodied relationship. Yeah. And I think that should be our gut reaction. That should be our knee-jerk instinct as Christians is to have that sort of embodied friendship. And I think part of it is we've just so lost what it means to be friends as men and women. Yeah. Um, I kiss dating goodbye. All those things are so ingrained in these evangelical cultures. Yeah. Um, that we just don't want, we don't know what it means to be with someone and truly be with someone. That's good. Yeah, I think um, self awareness and part of being self aware knows that means that you know that you have blind spots, and so community enters into that. And so I think for the question of you know should someone versus should someone not, I mean you know maybe one person there's a season where they should be online dating or could, and that's fine. And there could be a season where that same person, um, there's a season where they should not be. And that's so I think point. community helps with that, um, and that also includes uh, like what is this person's story uh, what would make this wise or unwise and being open I think about those things um, I think are important yeah I think it's things about community to me is like safety I think emotional spiritual and then physical safety mm-hmm. as well but there's a lot of safety and that's the fear for a lot of people so doing that with a group of people that you trust yeah. to what Antonio was saying here's this person I'm going to go meet them here a few things about that they can ask you the questions that you know you're not going to know the answers hopefully you haven't been building this relationship mm-hmm. for you know months and months and months before you get a chance to get to know them but yeah. they do know those few initial things and so i think they can kind of be a, a gut check for that they can yeah. help you spiritually as you're navigating that again like if if you should even be doing it or not that's good and i think that you with any technology you know we all need to take breaks. And so I think people I've seen do this well, that's part of it. It's even the same way that we put our phones away at night, generally, uh, you know, similarly. I think that's helpful to incorporate. Like, hey, it's a technology. Yeah. So however you have boundaries of technology in general, you should consider that with online dating as well. Those are great points. I think as it pertains to community, I think anytime, and this should be a red flag for anybody, anytime you're in a relationship that you feel must remain secret from somebody, it should be a red flag that there might be a problem there. So if you've met somebody online and you don't want to tell anybody about it, that should be a red flag that maybe this is a bad idea or maybe there's something in your heart that needs to be worked out because you're saying I'm chasing something that I feel like my heart wants that I don't want my community to know about. That should be something to be worked through and talked through. And I like what you said that for, for one person at a certain time, you might say online dating is a perfectly healthy and reasonable option for you right now. And for maybe that same person at a different time, you would say, Hey, this is probably a time you need to either fast from that mm-hmm. or turn that off or run from it particularly if somebody is looking for the personal affirmation, I would think, to say, like, I just want to know people find me attractive. I just mm-hmm. want to know somebody out there is interested in me. If you're going, why is that? If, if you're chasing romance as mm-hmm. opposed to pursuing the Lord and in pursuing the Lord saying, I am hoping for marriage because I want to pursue the Lord and be sanctified through that, and I believe it can be a good gift, 
but instead going like, I just want to solve the loneliness. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that no relationship is going to solve loneliness no matter where you meet yeah. them, right? And Brian, I liked what you said before about is online dating any different than any other way you might meet somebody? And I think that's good. Sometimes we vilify new things mm-hmm. to say these are these are evil because they're not uh, meeting face to face, like you talked about. Nathan is great, and it is preferable, and the narrative that you want. But is it any different from walking across a room and introducing yourself to somebody to say, "Yeah, I, I am interested." And I think depending on the purpose of the app or the way it does it, it, it might be very similar. At a recent conference, Adam Hawkins and I got to speak with Ben Stewart. Uh, It may sound like we're talking to him in a cave, but it's actually at a conference center. So fight through the audio. It is worth it for the content as we talk to Ben about how to advise Christians as it pertains to online dating. I'm Ben Stewart. I'm the pastor of Passion City Church, Washington, D.C. I was director of Breakaway Ministries on the campus of Texas A&M for 12 years and then moved to Washington, D.C., and have been a pastor there for about a year. So, Ben, you've spent a lot of years working with college students. Now you're a pastor in D.C. I assume that you've been around people that have questions about dating and navigating the dating scene. Was that more true for you at Texas A&M than it is at D.C. now? Or have you seen uh, the same struggles in college that you see uh, with your people as a pastor now there? Similar struggles. I wouldn't call them the same, but... Definitely some of the same factors have influenced it. I mean, if you think about the iPhone is still just barely over 10 years old. And so this whole introduction of how to speak to one another online and how it's impacted social interactions, people are reeling from. And young people from 20s to 30s are all sort of reeling from that. And I watched in College Station because when I first got there, Facebook was just coming out. And I watched... All that reports are listing now of self-reported awkwardness among people. I sort of watched all this chaos unfold and uh, certainly see it in D.C. And for me, it just stirred up a compassion. Like, this is a difficult time to connect with people, and I want to help people do it in a healthy way. Absolutely. Uh, What do you think, just generally, when you're, if somebody's asking you about how Christian dating might be different than somebody else dating, what is... What sets apart Christian dating? How would, how would somebody date distinctly Christianly? So the ideal version of how they should or yeah. how it looks now? Because I'm yeah. afraid now it doesn't look all that different, which is part <laughs> of the problem. Yeah. But uh, ideally, um, you know, I think you could sum it up what Paul told Timothy to treat older women as mothers, younger women as sisters with absolute purity. There's this sense of a holiness and reverence of how I'm going to treat you. I'm Mm -hmm. going to treat you like a family member. I want to want what's best for you. Like when I thought of how I wanted a man to date my sister, it's like I want him to play whatever role he's supposed to play Mm -hmm. to help her flourish as all she's meant to be in Jesus. And that's the idea, right? I'm pursuing God. And all that we're trying to figure out is, are we meant to chase him together? Yeah. And uh, so the ideal is whether we stay together forever or break apart where both better people love Jesus more as a result of that interaction. So, so one of the that's things, exactly the experience I think most people who are dating as Christians have, isn't right? Weird? It's, it's crazy how it works time. out. Yeah. No. <laughs> one of the issues with dating now is that Christian dating and maybe non-Christian dating look almost identical. What's yeah. the what's the problem with that's that? That's what's weird, you know, just to comment, like I think I never did Christian dating as a, somebody who came to faith sort of later. Post marriage. Yeah. Mean, right? <laughs> well not post marriage. But maybe around then. Uh, but I think like the, um, yeah, 
I think the idea like that I have in my head is probably the idea that was like in the 90s or something that it's like I've, I've joked a little bit sort of off mic about like oh it's chaperones and it's like yeah. kiss dating goodbye type stuff and all that but that's not the scene right yeah. like that's not the scene for Christian maybe, maybe I mean just to, to help people out who maybe are like me haven't ever really been in the scene or whatever like yeah. that's not what it's like so well it's interesting if you look at stats now of like where people meet the person they're with uh-huh. uh, there's only two categories that have increased over the last decade or so online and bars hmm. and all the other categories have decreased church has decreased to two percent really almost a wow. completely irrelevant number so you're talking about of all people that are meeting people yeah the church used to host dances for young people. And yeah, you know, like it's yeah, cheesy yeah, yeah. and we could laugh about it, yeah, at least there was a sense as a community, we're supposed to help these people figure this out. Now, how you connect with each other, you're being taught that online. Yeah, You're not even being taught how to do it in church because we all sort of had these caricatures of the past that were a little goofy. We yeah, haven't yeah. replaced it with something beautiful. And so That's where they're getting it is uh, the culture. Yeah. Well, what's, what's misleading about the culture when it comes to that? What would be dangerous for somebody that you would say, here's the problem with that? Well, I think the big problem now is the disintegrating of the human experience, the separating of your emotional life from your physical life. That's the biggest damage. Yeah. Yeah. Like self-reported 86% of young men, 18 to 25 view pornography at least once a month, 50% once a week. You know, and studies are showing us that when that is in your mind, it produces a cynicism about the possibility of monogamy even being an option. Mm. It decreases the dating pool. You just don't even enter into it. Wow. And usually when I go places now and speak about dating, it's a lot of girls that are a bit not desperate, like girl, get a hold of yourself, but they're just like, what is happening to the men in the culture? Yeah. Wow. The, because I think it's not like there's options out there for them. They feel like there's zero options. No, right? and it's because in the culture we've sort of separated our sexual experience from caring about somebody and loving them. Mm. And it, it does a violence to the human soul to do that. Wow. And I just see the pain of it, the suffering of it. Because sure. you even see on college campuses, uh, Donna Freitas did this big study on the hookup culture. And she said the highest praise that was given to it was the word fine. She said no one ever said it was great. No one ever said it was awesome. Wow. 41% said they hated it. Wow. So you talk to young people and they're like, that's all there is. There's no good guys. Da, da, da. And they all have bought this cultural narrative of, oh, you're just supposed to hook up with whoever. And they don't really care about you emotionally. Maybe they will later. Mm-hmm. And this cynicism has crept in. And uh, it makes me angry because the people sure. I talk to want more and I want more for them. Amen. Yeah. yeah. But um, So how do you encourage them? Like, what is the... Is there any optimism for the Christian in that world? Because that's a very pessimistic picture that we've just painted of, listen, yeah, I can see why that would be awful and hard. Yeah. How do you encourage a young woman or a young man who's just now single and would love to be married or would love to be in a relationship? What do you say to them? Yeah, I'll quote a weird source, Aziz Ansari. Okay. Uh, you know, he wrote his book, Modern yeah. Romance, and it's bad. I mean, you read all through it and you're like, yeah. man, nobody's doing good. And then there's mm-hmm. one chapter where he meets these two guys in an elevator on the way to this, um, this uh, kind of conversation he's gonna have with all these people. One of them clearly more attractive than the other, better dressed, bop, bop, bop. But when they get in there, all of it is quickly hopeless. I can't meet people, online dating's such a drag now, I get depressed at even the thought of dating. Hmm. And then this guy that's not the most attractive whatever, 
they ask him about his last couple dates and he starts talking about them. And Aziz Ansari in his book is like, the dude came off like a rock star, like just like yeah. happy, joyful, was confused by everyone's sadness. And when they asked about his last two dates, there were people that he met at church and serving at a mission in the city. Oh, wow. And in his book, he's like, weird, right? And moves on and you're like, do you not even pick up the yeah. obvious yeah. implication yeah. that this is a guy whose life is on mission? Yeah. Everybody wants belonging and mattering. I want to do something that matters. I want to be a place I belong. And that's yeah. what the church offers. Yeah. You have an eternal purpose to chase after. And when you flee youthful lust, pursue righteousness, love, and peace, along with those who call out to the Lord out of a pure heart, and that's what Paul told Timothy, you just start running and you're going to see people who want Christ as much as you do. And they're not going to be cynical people. Yeah. And so get involved in your church. Go hard in the city towards the needs of the city. And you're going to find people like that. And what I found as young people is when you offer them that, it's like giving them permission. Like, I didn't know I could. Mm-hmm. So I just think as a church, we just present them a different narrative than the culture. But it's our same narrative. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Of grace and truth. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, serve you others. give that to people. Yeah. Of like, yeah. let's love each other. Chase Christ together. You're going to find people that want them like you do. And it's going to be a joy. What's interesting is it sounds like in some way what what – when you say that, you're giving people permission to kind of stop focusing on their dating life. Yes. Instead, what you're doing is sort of directing them to say, hey, go on mission after God. Get yes. involved in, in your church. Be about your relationship with God. Be about a community that is chasing the Lord together. And the byproduct of that is that there'll be healthy relationships that you develop along the way, yes. some of which might be with somebody you get married to one day or date or whatever. So for the single person, though, who's listening to that and going man, like that sounds great or whatever, but I really want to go online and date. Is there, is, it, is there a way, I guess, to go about being intentional about dating that's a little more focused on dating and that's online? I mean, how would you, how would you kind of talk to that person? Yeah, I would say a couple things. One is I would never want to shame somebody about their longing to be known and connect and uh. be loved. That's from the very beginning, it's not good for man to be alone. God, yeah. God built us for community, and so I would never want to shame that longing. That's a good longing. It's yeah. a healthy one, and, and God cares about it. Yeah. And I think that's a hope we can always carry. God's more invested in your love life than you are. He values that. So I would say that. Two, with online dating, I have good friends that have met their spouse online. So I'm never going to trash online dating. Yeah. I am very concerned about it. Because if you look at the flow of online dating, you know, early on they would try to pair and match you and they realize pretty quickly all those algorithms don't work because people don't marry who they think they want to marry. Yeah. Yeah. The assumption is you know what you want. You self-select. Yeah, yeah. and you actually and then, don't. Yeah, you know. And so that's the thing is like you don't know what you want. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it doesn't work. And so what did online dating sites do, they go, well, let's just reduce it to... Show me your picture. Show me your picture, maybe something witty, right? Mm -hmm. The two things that Proverbs warns us are the most transient and deceptive Mm -hmm. characteristics of a human being. (laughs) Charm's deceptive and beauty's going to fade. You're like, these are the worst foundations of a relationship and you're starting there. So that's where I'm like, I just think that's a bad place to start. And I worry about the pool you're swimming in. You know, like if I want to meet a Texan, I can meet one in D.C., way better odds of meeting one here in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And if you want to meet someone chasing Christ, you might meet them online, yeah. but you've just thrown a lot of knuckleheads in the mix. Like yeah. you've just diluted the pool. But if you can get around people that want to be a part of what God is doing, mm-hmm. that's the pool you want to swim in. And so 
that's why I just push people towards their church community and push church communities towards being supportive of that. You know, so an example would be like, it's common at my house, we'll have dinners with our staff and team leads and there'll be three, four couples and there'll be 15, 20 singles all together. And you go, this is a healthy context to do this in. And yeah, then the singles can go and do something afterwards, whatever, but you go, this is a, this is a church family yeah. supporting each other. And so that's what I would say is most people, when they talk about dating, it feels isolated and lonely. Me and yeah. a screen and me and a random dude. And I'd be like, it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. Um, press into a community that can surround you and support you. And so I would absolutely push them towards the people of Jesus and, yeah. and let's help the young people who are struggling with a confusing day. I just tended to want to like meet up for coffee or something pretty early on just so that it wouldn't be something where I was in that scenario and got like kind of attached to someone before I actually knew like who they were in real life. If your goal really is to like meet someone, it's better to like actually get to know someone offline. But I think the idea of like being able to like connect with someone that you might not normally cross paths with, um, I think online dating is great for that. Well, I'd say if you're nervous about trying it, just give it a shot. You may find somebody really special. Like it's uh, it's another avenue that's not maybe as awkward uh, in my experience. So. What are, the, what are the warnings, though, that you would give to a Christian who's thinking about online dating? Maybe they've never done it before. They come to one of you and say, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about hopping on an app and just seeing if there's anybody in my community that'd be interested in, in going on a date just to get to know each other, but then to pursue a good Christian relationship. What warnings would you give them? One of the first things I would say is don't reduce an image bearer to an image. That's good. I think there's a there's a tendency among some of my friends who will say, hey, I just met this person, either online, in person. Here's a picture of them. Mm. Like, Don't show me that. Like, that's not the first thing I'm thinking of when I'm thinking of an image bearer of God. Yeah. But I think it, it's, it's a tendency to swipe left, swipe right, and just to say, I, I find this person physically attractive. I don't. Um, but there's so much more to a relationship than just physical attractiveness. You know, Tim Keller talks about you're married to seven to eight different people throughout your life. Right? Yeah. That, you're one person. We're not, I'm not advocating for polygamy, right. but polygamy. it's one yeah. person who changes based on life circumstance and, and your physical appearance. Obviously, as, as young people, we think we're invincible. We think we're Superman, Superwoman, and we're not going to change our physical appearance, but we will, right? Yeah. So I'd say, that, I'd say that's one of the first instincts to say whatever app I find myself in, um, get to know the person and and don't let it stay there. Go have meals together. I heard a Romanian proverb from a friend once where he said that you don't truly know a person until you've eaten a pound of salt together. <laughs> what Which, is that? Unpack so that for it, me. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it depends on where you go to eat. You can get <laughs> have a meal. little quicker. Yeah. But part of that is saying it just takes time to know yeah. someone and meals. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's you know, over a course of hopefully a few <laughs> a few months or maybe yeah. a year or so, you'll share that much salt by by sharing a meal together. That's good. Is any of this driven by, and I want to get back to that question again, because I want you women to share uh, a little bit of some of the warnings you would give, but is any of this driven by uh, the inability of Christian men in particular, but also women just to facilitate starting relationships in person mm-hmm. and maybe the cowardice that comes or the, maybe not cowardice is the right word, but just the fears that come with that or the inability to know how to end a relationship. I know you've thought a lot about and written on Ryan, uh, how people are really 
poor at ending relationships well in our culture today. But is that is that anything that's driving online dating? Does it overcome some of those fears for people? I, mean, I think there's part of it. Um, I think, you know, in evangelical culture, we've really struggled with what is it like for men and women to interact with one another. Yeah, um, even in non-romantic ways, in right? In particular, yeah, yeah, in non-romantic ways. And so I think as we recover language around being brothers and sisters, um, or just even how do we relate to one another um, as humans, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I think there's some of that that needs to be recovered. Um, and then I also think there's an element of uh, maybe not cowardice, but just confusion over um, how do you know when someone is willing to be asked out. And so I know even with friends started to, instead of, oh, do you have a crush on this person? Are you interested in this person? It's, would you say yes to going out with this person? It's different. If they asked. Um, But I think on the flip side, you know, it's like, well, women, are are there any men who would reasonably expect you to say yes to going on a date with them? Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of confusion. Who's available to date? You know, and even some of our kind of like recovery culture, we've made very, like a lot of this person's in a season of not dating. And so I think we've kind of stigmatized each other based on our stories. um, And then everyone feels confused. And so it, at least with dating apps or with even websites, you're able, there's almost like a, uh, clarification of who is available or interest yeah. or not. Yeah, clarify some things. Yes. So what would you say to, if a woman came to you, Antonia, and said, hey, I'm really considering online dating. I've never done it before. What warnings would you give her and say, hey, be careful about this? Yeah, I think um, two things stand out. I think one is the question of narrative. You know, uh, I think because we sometimes it's easier and we have to with so many people to kind of standardize like here's generally what a relationship should look like or here's here's generally here how you should be pursued and I know we've heard a lot of like you know I saw yesterday I think on a social media site like your heart should be so wrapped up in the Lord's that a man has to pursue the Lord to get to you you know which is fine you know or um you know just run after heart after the Lord and then look to your left and look to your right and you have eat, you know and so we kind of have this very uh ethereal idea of what that looks like and yeah. so um I think narrative, I would just say, like, be open to what the Lord could do in your life. It That's could good. be online. It could be uh, at the wedding you go to in six months, you know, that you meet someone. It could be so many different things. And so being open to the creativity of the Lord um, and then being present in uh, communities, uh, real communities where people are married, where you get to see, oh, this person, they actually broke up three times before they got married. Mm. You know, or actually, like, he, you know, they met at camp and then they were best friends for five years before, you know. And so I think giving some of those um, uh, just like, uh, yeah, differences I think are really helpful. And then the last thing I think, I just think of Proverbs 30 and it talks about, uh, essentially it's like the woes, you know, like the, and it talks about like an unloved woman when she gets a husband. And so just this idea that, um, marriage is definitely a particular type of love. It's meant to be um, different than other relationships, but it should not be the first time that you experience great love from others. And so just the encouragement of um, don't wait, like don't wait to have fun. Don't wait to live your life. Don't wait to yeah. um, even have uh, impactful relationships with men in your life. And that I know I've been deeply blessed by um, brothers that just mean so much to me um, and value me. And I yeah, which would not be the same without their relationships. That's really helpful. I think uh, what you said, I want to touch on for just a second too. God is not anti-fun. God is not anti-romance. He is not anti-marriage at all. He's Mm -hmm. the inventor of marriage. Marriage comes before the fall. He's Mm -hmm. all for marriage. And at the same time, he hasn't promised marriage. It's not a promise. And it's certainly not a promise right now for Mm -hmm. everybody. Uh, But we get ourselves wrapped up in kind of a romantic idea that we need to pursue it right now. Mm -hmm. And maybe my time is wasting or I'm incomplete without it. And I'm also hearing you guys say that online dating or dating through apps is not inherently evil, 
But are there apps that Christians should avoid? Are there things you would say, hey, don't go through through this method? Really? For relationships, that's where I would go. It yeah. just has changed, and you know, the typical stigma behind Tinder is that it's a hookup app. And in Dallas, I don't know anybody that uses it because I think it has a different purpose here. Well, it started in Dallas at SMU, where Antonia went to school. Sure well, Antonia, didn't you start Tinder? Isn't that your legacy? Yeah, it's actually, yeah, Tinder and ministry, kind of kind of the same thing. <laughs> no, but it did start here with your college, right? It started yeah. with fraternities and sororities here in Dallas, and that's mm-hmm. interesting because the, the legacy of it has changed here mm-hmm. where it's not as super common. It's kind of moved, and that that's the, the nature of uh, things that you can put online. They'll move and change. Mm-hmm. And you're saying in Chicago it's become a very normal thing. Yeah, and here. Sure. Be aware of you know, the uses of the apps in your community, and there are certain ones that I think you'll figure out quickly that mm-hmm. this isn't what I'm looking for and probably isn't a good place for me to be, and so mm-hmm. whatever that may be. Well, I, there's a difference between apps that share. You you said earlier, Ryan, that some of the apps ask you to share more information than others. Is there anything there that you would recommend for somebody like, hey, you're going to want to know as much about this person before you date and not just to what Nathan was saying, just a picture and a name? Or I don't know, are some of them just based on geography and picture? Or is it for most of them, you're gonna, are you going to know these people are believers before mm-hmm. you go on a date with them through every app? Yeah. One like Hinge, where, hey, you can say your religious beliefs. You can say, do you drink alcohol? Do you smoke? You know, they're just questions being asked that give you an idea. And, you know, you don't know the person until you meet mm-hmm. But it yeah. gives me a better idea. Is this something worth engaging with? Gotcha. Can we talk for a minute about safety? Because I know that online dating can also lend itself to a great opportunity for the person with nefarious plans. Mm-hmm. It's an opportunity for them to find somebody. What about what have you seen or have you witnessed or what would you warn against when it comes to safety? Anybody? Yeah, I mean, I think um, obviously very important. I heard a story recently of a precious young woman um, who uh, was, I don't know what the word is, like legally laundered is not the word but who trafficked uh no 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 it was money so like someone asked for quite a bit of money and kind of attached a threat to oh that. okay they scammed her through there mo- we go okay yeah so i think those are things um i think particularly not only women but definitely women who go oh gosh like this person in this case if someone was threatening to like take their own life if they didn't wire mm. this amount of money and that's pretty that's really heavy um and so i think uh, being mindful, obviously, of those things, because um, those are jarring, obviously. So things like that. And then, of course, if you like are meeting up with someone, uh, I mean, find my friends if you have an iPhone, right? Um, you know, depending on the protectiveness of your friends. You're saying the app Find My Friends, like having people know app. where no, no, you no. are? Sorry, I mean, share my location with your friends. With gotcha. your friends. So if you're going so to So they know where you are. Yeah, right? Okay. okay yeah. yeah. I do that if I go on a run, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's Yeah. Badly, but Hopefully not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're basically you might be meeting a stranger mm-hmm. and you don't know what which way it could go, right? Mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah, and being mindful. I mean, I think especially women naturally do this, but 
you're going to call before, you're going to call after, you're going to talk the next day. So just being, you know, mindful, I think it's back to like, are you your sister's keeper? And the answer is yes, <laughs> you <fair>. are. <laughs> Nathan, about what the guy's perspective? I know for women, safety is a different issue. Often they they feel like in a, a less likely to be the wolf. A man doesn't feel like he's necessarily going to get catfished, maybe, or, or, or lured into something. But you you have guy you have guy friends, and uh, there's a safety issue for their own hearts, obviously. But what is it? What have you seen? How have you seen guys use these apps inappropriately? Or uh, what would you warn women out there about when it comes to guys using these apps? One thing I would say, being a male, having male privilege, I'm not having to worry about safety often. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's something, like Antonia was saying, to be your sister's keeper. It's incumbent on men, if you're involved in these spaces, to be mindful of what you're asking of the person you're going on a date with. So instead of saying, hey, coming over, I'm going to make you a romantic spaghetti dinner, you might, you might have no bad intentions about that at all. It might be very innocent and very kind, romantic gesture. But that could communicate to uh, the sister that you're you're attempting to date is a, it's a place where she doesn't feel safe, doesn't yeah. feel secure. So go to a public space, you know, Good. invite other people into it, help people to keep you accountable in asking your friends, hey, keep up with this, make sure I'm not. So I think for us, it's less of I need to protect myself as let's Good. protect our sisters and and be our sister's keeper. That's great. Yeah, dating in isolation can be dangerous and not just talking about uh, where you might meet the person, but again, leaning back to what we talked about with community. If it needs to be just the two of you and it's always just the two of you, that that might be a concern. One of the first yeah. questions you might ask on a date is who else knows that we're meeting tonight? Who did you tell about? What did you what did you tell them? And if they didn't tell anybody, you can ask why. Like are you are you ashamed of how we met or are you just hoping this doesn't work? But you get to know people that way. And I, I do love getting to know new people. And I know that dating Dating in America is not only difficult, it can be nightmarish. And you're opening yourself up to vulnerability, even if the other person is great. The vulnerability that you might open yourself up to be hurt, wounded, cared for, and then not cared for, it is so hard to navigate. So to make sure that you are uh, preparing each other well and caring for each other well and saying that your friendships will always be something you can come back to, treating your, your sisters like sisters and your brothers like brothers unless they are married even if you've been dating for, whether it's the first date from an online app or six months in, to remind each other, remember, this is your sister. Remember, this is your brother. And to make sure that we're really clear here, and maybe this was an unspoken assumption, but we believe Christians should be dating Christians. If you're going on a Christian app because you're feeling like, uh, I have settled and I am ready to just settle and whoever the Lord might brings me, I'm going to count on his providence, roll the dice and swipe right until somebody calls me. I don't think that's what the Lord has for you because he's made it really clear in his word. He does not want that. It, it, it is for us to be equally yoked in a way that he says to, to pursue relationships, if any romantic relationships are to exist, with other people who believe what we do. Now, you guys exploring kind of the single world alongside your friends, have you seen people feeling like they're going to um, uh, settle or compromise on some of the things that they hold strongly because they're just so interested in dating somebody that they're going to compromise on some of their requirements for that person? Yeah, I see it all the time. And it's something that breaks my heart. I think I was listening to a podcast this morning by a guy named Pete Scazzaro, and he's talking about being beloved. And I think that's the cry of our heart, right? That's a human cry is we want to be beloved by someone. And I think as a single, it, it turns into loneliness. I mean, honestly, probably not even as a single. I, I can imagine. I've talked with many married friends of mine who also experience this sort of loneliness, that's true. insecurity. Um, and so that's where our hearts go. We just want to be beloved by someone. And I think when someone offers that, if it's not in the context that, um, scripture tells us, or it's it's something that I value so much. Like, 
I couldn't imagine being with someone who doesn't love Jesus because I love him so much, yeah. you know, and he's such a big part of my life. I couldn't imagine being with that. But I go into bag. I think we just want to be beloved by someone and we just need to remind ourselves that we're already beloved. That's good. <laughs> like we're already called beloved by our father. And so just remind ourselves of that, that that can be the tendency, I think, of fudging the lines, blurring the lines a little bit to step into the spaces where you know it's not what the Lord wants. I think um, some of the, I will say first, some of the sweetest, godliest marriages I know of have met online. And so um, I've just been able to see those stories and those are encouraging. Um, But I do think that when it comes to, you know, the uh, compromising or, like you said, fudging of boundaries or lines, uh, I think the the fear, the strong woman motif can kind of pop up. And so I see uh, women in particular, sisters in particular, who, um, yeah, are willing to let a relationship or, or let interest go much longer than it should out of fear of, um, yeah, just they're too, yeah, there'll always be too much. And so got to settle at some point. So I think that's kind of, that's something that I see women struggle with. If that I, makes sense. Oh yeah. 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 I, I want to turn the corner just for a little bit as we start to kind of end what we're talking about, but is, is online dating popular because it church is a hard place to meet people to date? Yes. And why why is church a hard place to to date? I think it's you know, I walked in five thirty five from bed. Yeah. Question. Oh really? And like, well, that's just not how we do church. I walk in and I sit with the people that I know and we maybe shake hands with the people in front of us and the people behind us and you leave with the mm. people that you know. And so it just is not a community or a a place to fellowship with people in the way that I personally really wish that it was. Mm. I sometimes I get caught in that tendency or that that hang up of like, you know, I don't obviously don't go to church to meet a person, but it's a real shame to me that it's not mm-hmm. an easier place for people who are seeking the Lord to meet each other. Yeah. And so I think yeah, there's frustration there of I don't know how to fix it. I don't mm. know how to ask people who could fix it mm-hmm. to yeah. change what we're doing. But there is a gap there of there are hundreds and hundreds of single Christian people yeah. together on a Sunday morning and nothing comes of it. And so I think it's sometimes that feeling of like, well, so what do I do? That's mm-hmm. where I should meet people. I don't meet people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I do think it's sometimes a lose-lose for a church, right? Because if you do organize activities for singles, you're like, well, don't don't exclude us from the rest of the congregation. Yeah. Don't just make our singleness what defines us. And you're like, yeah, I don't want to do that. And at the same time, you want our single people to feel like church isn't okay to meet other people and say the stage of life, and you want to introduce them to one another. What what I've tried to do in our church already, and we're, I'm in a very young church, a brand new church, is talk about how I want to be a church where people can date. More than that, I want to be a church where people can break up and still be part of the same church. And I feel like that is such the nightmare situation for some mm-hmm. people. If they love their church and they feel like I'm going to date somebody within my church or even within their home group, and then they break up, they're like, now do we have to split up the home group and split up the church? Yeah. And that is not that is not necessary. If we date the way the Lord has called us to, treating each other like brother and sister, we can mm-hmm. still break up and be part of the same community. Mm-hmm. And I've told a lot of people, you have my permission to date, but please do not break up poorly. Mm-hmm. And I do feel like that is part of what hangs over our heads is mm-hmm. the looming fear. And 
and why it's almost easier to go, what if I go to an online world where if it doesn't work out, I don't have to see that person and they don't have to see me. And it's harder within a group of friends to say, this is going to change everything with a group of roommates, with a group of buddies, with a home group, with a church. It's really difficult. But I want to, as a pastor, and I hope pastors listen to this as well, I want to foster a community in my church where it's not just sitting down with the people you know and then leaving again but where it is a community where you know each other, where if you were single and hoping to meet a man or a woman who was godly, church would be a great place to do so, and that we could do that in community, watching each other well. And at the same time, I'm not vilifying online dating. I get it. And I think there are always, in, like in any of these things that are not inherently evil, we check the heart motivations of why are we doing this? We check the warning system of like, what are the red flags about what we're about to walk into, which you guys have done a great job of listing today, listing today which I hope helps a lot of our listeners navigate the world of online dating in a way that is safe and not solo, not by themselves, not isolated, and always keeping in mind who they are in their identity in Christ, that a romantic relationship is not what their life is waiting on in order for them to be complete. And yet at the same time, marriage can be a great thing. So Nathan, thank you. Antonia, thank you. Ryan, thank you. This was a great conversation. Thank you so very much for being here today. I really appreciate it, guys. If there's anything you heard on the show that you'd like to know more about, you can find details on our website. Today's episode was produced by David Roark and edited and mixed by Chris Starrett. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.